Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. And a very warm welcome to season three of my 70s TV childhood. Yes, after Christmas and New Year break, we are back with a whole new season of shows dedicated to celebrating what it was like to grow up as a child in 1970s Britain, with a special focus on the role that television played in our and our society's life back then. If this is your first time listening, I'm very glad that you found us and hope you'll spend some time looking back at our previous episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you for coming back for more. So what can you expect from season three? Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to a live music gig to see a legend in action, there's almost always a rather depressing moment when they say, here's a few songs from my new album. And what they never seem to realise is, We don't want to hear the new stuff, just the songs we know and can sing along to. Well, you'll be pleased to know that nothing new will be happening in season three. To quote Billy Joel, who I saw in concert a few years ago, there's nothing new here, just the same old stuff. Well, he used another word beginning with S, but I'm trying to keep my official clean rating with a leading podcast platform. So really what I'm saying is we're going to have more of the same stuff. Reminiscences from me and my guests on a 1970s childhood, features on particular TV programmes which left their mark on us as children, and I'll also be bringing some great guests onto the show, most of whom are listeners just like you. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for the support of everyone who listens, and I've been overwhelmed by how many of you have got in touch with me, either via our blog or by Twitter and email to tell me how much you enjoy being transported back to more innocent, happier times. In particular, I've had lots of emails and tweets from new listeners who have found us during the Christmas holidays, and also found us from our Facebook page. Thank you all for listening, and thank you particularly for all of your kind comments. If you'd like to share your memories, or if you'd like to catch up on what we featured in the first two seasons of the podcast, you can do so by going to our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com. You can tweet us at 70stvchildhood. Take a look at our Facebook page at my70stvchildhood. Or you can email me, oliver, at my70stvchildhood.com. It's been a little while since our last episode, so let me spend a moment taking you back to the UK in the 1970s. Our country was in decline financially as we began to enter the dying phases of our industrial-based economy. There seemed to be strikes everywhere, the three-day week, rampant inflation, and the humiliation of the British Chancellor having to go cap in hand to the International Monetary Fund for a bailout. It must have been really tough for our parents having to live through these difficult times, 
But for those of us who were children, we just enjoyed ourselves, playing with friends, going to school, and getting to learn what life was really like. I might be kidding myself, but I do think that being a child in the 70s was pretty good. There weren't the same pressures as there seem to be on children today. And in general, our parents were much more relaxed, and certainly amongst my friends, we had much more freedom to be out and about and explore the world, far more than it seems many children do now. The other big part of our lives, and central to this podcast, was television. And I think that television provided a focal point for us and our families and friends in a way which is not done before or since. Again, for new listeners' benefit, you have to remember that there were only three TV channels in 1970s Britain. Two of them didn't broadcast all the time, and many of us watched in black and white on televisions which our parents rented from places like Radio Rentals. There were no video recorders, so if you missed your favourite TV programme, you missed it, and it was gone, perhaps forever. So very different times to today's multimedia world with 24-hour access to, well, virtually anything you'd like to see on TV. Television brought families together, and popular shows were discussed in factories, shops, offices and schools the next day as a matter of course. Arguments raged over what programmes families should watch if there was a clash in the schedules, and there was always the prospect of the TV going on the blink without warning, and thus denying you your favourite programme. You may think this all sounds pretty dull and awful, but it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was a marvellous, magical time for television, and for my generation, and the memory of some of these programmes lives on, even as we are now approaching well, I suppose we're headlong into middle age. So our podcasts are part childhood reminiscence, part TV memories, and part social history. If you're expecting an academic study into 1970s society or a forensic recreation of 1970s life, then you might be disappointed. If you enjoy reminiscing and testing out childhood memories, which may or may not be accurate, then this is the place for you. As one of our regular listeners, Alan, told me, it reminds him of a chat down the pub with a few mates. So let's see what's on my mind for this episode, or chat down the pub if you prefer. Magic is a big thing for children today. If any of you have children or relatives who've been involved in World Book Day at schools, where kids dress up as their favourite characters from a book, You'll have seen armies of Harry Potters and Hermione Grangers walking towards school with their parents, with the odd Ron Weasley or Dumbledore thrown in for good measure. J.K. Rowling's books and the accompanying films and spin-offs have been hugely popular, and magic is now the theme of countless TV shows and films. Well, sorry to disappoint any of our millennial audience, but this is nothing new. Magic was big for us 70s children too. One of the best presents I ever got for birthday or Christmas, I can't remember which one I got it for, was a magic set. Magic sets were brilliant. My set was called Magic 3 and was made by Thomas Salter and contained lots of magic tricks and a big book of instructions on how to perform them. There was some magic rope which I could tie and then magically tap with my wand to make the knot disappear three cups and balls for the classic find-the-ball trick, 
and lots of other exciting tricks which I spent hours practicing before endlessly inflicting them on my family and any hapless guest who foolishly agreed to take part in my regular magic shows. I seem to remember that the set also included three boxes of England's glory matches, one of which had some kind of secret compartment to help you perform a trick, but I can't quite remember what that trick was. Anyway, it just strikes me, I'm not sure you'd find many kids' toys today with boxes of matches inside. TV was full of magicians as well. I suppose many of them were former stage performers who simply took their existing act and reproduced it in front of the cameras. David Nixon was one of them that I remember the best. He was very suave and seemed extremely sophisticated to me as a child, with a rich, smooth speaking voice which had me enthralled. His tricks were pretty good too, but I can't actually remember many of them at all. But the TV magician I enjoyed the most was probably one of the least successful, and he did rely on audience participation to get his tricks to work. If I say the magic words, you'll know who I'm talking about. Izzy Wizzy, let's get busy! I am, of course, referring to Sooty, who, with his friends Sweep and Sue, and their human companion Harry Corbett, later succeeded by his son Matthew, are a happy memory of my, and I'm sure many of your childhoods. Sooty was the creation of Harry Corbett, who, so the legend goes, bought a yellow bear glove puppet whilst on holiday in Blackpool with his family just after the war, and used the bear, which he called Teddy, to entertain his children. Now, Harry was a very talented puppeteer and a magician, and he ended up as a children's entertainer, delighting children with Teddy's exploits. Eventually, he was noticed by TV and won a BBC talent show, which led to him getting the offer of a regular TV slot. The only problem was that Teddy, being yellow, didn't really stand out on the screen. Remember, we're still talking about black and white programmes. This is being in the 1950s. So Harry took some soot from his chimney and put it on the puppet's ears and nose. So it's goodbye, Teddy, and hello to Sooty. And the rest is history. And I'm delighted to say that Sooty himself has joined me as our very first special guest in this new season. Hello, Sooty. What was that? What was that, Sooty? You'd like me to say hello to all the girls and boys out there in podcast land? Well, of course I will. Hello, boys and girls. What? What was that, Sooty? Oh, sorry. Hello, girls and boys. Now, Sooty. After almost 70 years on our TV screens, you must have worked with some of the leading stars over the years, but who was your favourite? Oh, oh yes. Oh, so Harry was your favourite co-star, although he wasn't as talented as you are. Well, obviously. And what was that? Oh, you quite like Matthew as well, but he wasn't as good as Harry at being hit on the head with a hammer. Right. And what about your friends, Sweep and Sue? You know who they are. You've been working with them for decades. Oh, yes, them, you say. Right. What is that, Sooty? They're what? Hangers-on with minimal talent who you've been carrying for years. I don't think that's very nice, Sooty, do you? What was that? You want to know what your fee is for this podcast? Well, Sooty, I'm afraid I can't afford to pay you anything being an amateur podcaster. What do you say? You want me to speak to your agent? All right. Um, 
Well, I think that might be enough from Sooty for now. So uh, wave bye-bye to the girls and boys, Sooty. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sooty. And um, look out for the video of that interview on our Facebook page. Leaving Sooty and David Nixon to one side, magic was a staple of children's drama and comedy series. And one British programme stands out to me in its rather eccentric approach to the world of witches and wizards. was first shown in 1970, so I think I must have seen it repeated a year or two later, because I do remember it in quite some detail, and I was only three in 1970. Catweasel was a wizard, played by the marvellous Geoffrey Bailden, who lived in 11th century England, just after the Norman Conquest. And I remember that in the first episode, he was being chased through a wood by Norman soldiers, and to escape, he said a magic spell and jumped into a pond. When he surfaces from the water, the wood and the soldiers have disappeared, and he thinks he's made them disappear by his magic. But, oh no, he has in fact been transported to the present day, and the pond is in a farmer's field. As in most children's drama of the time, he befriends a local child, in this case a red-headed boy called Carrot, who helps him and gets involved in various adventures over the course of the series. I do remember that Cat Weasel's magic was not always reliable, and that it sometimes saved the day, but more often than not, got him and Carrot into more scrapes. Oh yes, and he carried a toad with him, who was part of his wizardry. All a far cry from the world of Harry Potter, but a tale of a time-travelling wizard using his magic as he searched for a way to get back to the 11th century was entertaining enough. Much of the charm came from Cat Weasel trying to understand the 20th century. He thought electricity, or electricery, as he called it, was magic itself. And, well, you get the rest of the picture. The show ran for two seasons in 1970 and 1971, and was repeated many times during the 70s, and I still remember it fondly. I said many times in previous episodes that British TV was heavily dependent on imported TV shows when I was a child, and many of those came from America. Not only did we get the huge number of cartoons from Hanna-Barbera, but we also got live-action shows, which were repeated again and again, but which were also very popular. One of the most popular also had a magical theme. Bewitched was enormously popular in the US and over here, 
and ran for eight years between 1964 and 1972, before being endlessly repeated in both countries. The premise was pretty straightforward. A young married couple, Darren and Samantha, grappled with the ups and downs of life in suburbia. She, a housewife, obviously, it's 1964 after all, and him, an aspiring executive, who was always getting into scrapes with his boss. Oh, and the main feature was that Samantha, played by Elizabeth Montgomery, as well as being an all-American suburban housewife, was also a witch. Not a scary, warty, wicked witch, but a glamorous blonde who just happened to be a witch who cast spells by wiggling her nose in a rather cheeky, attractive way. Most episodes involved Darren getting into scrapes, which Samantha would try and help him out with by using her magic, which often led to unintended chaos. And Samantha's aunt, Endora, another witch who disapproved of her marrying a normal human, often interfered, looking to sabotage Darren's plans. It was all very jolly and enormously popular. For me, though, there were two things which stand out in my memory. First was how enormous American houses were. And secondly, how wonderful and affluent America looked on the show. Darren and Samantha lived in a beautiful house with a huge fridge, a freezer, big televisions, and they drove around in enormous cars. Compared to the Britain I was growing up in, where people had pantry cupboards and a small fridge if they were lucky, and drove around in Austin Maxis and Morris 1800s, it was like a fantasy world. The witchcraft element simply adding to the lure of US life. It was also a bit confusing, as the show was often shown out of order on UK television, which was confusing, mainly because Darren was played by two different actors, Dick York and Dick Sargent. So when the episodes were shown, you never quite knew which Darren would turn up. As I said, the show was extremely popular and left its mark in British society in an unexpected way. Now, I've mentioned in previous episodes that my father was a vicar, and because of that, he had a good grip on popular names as he baptised several children a month. And he always maintained that the huge number of Darrens and Samanthas born between the mid-60s and mid-70s was largely down to Bewitched. And I suppose he should have known. Bewitched ended in 1972, but as I say, its legacy lived on through repeats over the years, and it was shown again in its entirety and, remarkably, in the right order when Channel 4 started broadcasting in 1982. It also spawned a little-known sequel, which I remember watching, but seems to have been largely forgotten. Once upon a time, there was a typical little American girl who lived in a typical American home with her typical American family. There was a mother, Samantha, a father, Darren, little Tabitha, and her brother, Adam. As little Tabitha grew older, her family discovered that she was a gifted child. Look! Uh, quite gifted. But Tabitha's parents wisely didn't pay a lot of attention to her special gift, and she grew up just right, with pigtails and freckles, like any other typical American girl. Uh, almost. 
is a young lady. She doesn't have pigtails anymore. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't have freckles. Tabitha was Samantha and Darren's daughter in Bewitched. And in the mid-70s, she got her own spin-off called, not surprisingly, Tabitha. The premise was that Tabitha and her brother Adam had moved to Los Angeles to work at a television station. Tabitha had inherited her mother's magical powers and Adam, well, hadn't. And that was about it. I remember she drove a Volkswagen Beetle and the sun was shining most of the time, but other than that, I don't remember much about it. The show aired over 11 episodes in 1977 before it was cancelled. So if I'd have thought about it, Tabitha should only have been about 12 or 13, tops. So how she could suddenly have been in her early 20s didn't quite add up. Anyway, Lisa Hartman, who played Tabitha, went on to star in Knott's Landing, the Dallas sequel, which fared a little better than the attempt to create a Bewitch spin-off, to say the least. So Magic was treated a bit differently between US and UK programme makers. As well as Cat Weasel, there were also shows like the BBC's Lizzie Dripping, starring Tina Heath, later to feature in The Sunday Gang and Blue Peter, where a witch was a central character, but in a very British way, so had none of the glitz, glamour, or the enormous houses of Bewitched, which seemed to be set in a different universe to a young child growing up in Warrington in the 70s. Did you like Bewitched? And if so, who was your favourite Darren? Or are you one of the many Darrens and Samanthas named in the mid to late 60s? Let us know on our blog, www.my70stvchildhood.com. You can also tweet us at 70stvchildhood or leave a comment on our Facebook page at my70stvchildhood. And of course, you can email me, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. Well, that's about all for the first episode of our new season. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you again for more from My 70s TV Childhood. Oh, and there's a final word from our special guest. What's that, Sooty? You want to say bye-bye to the boys and girls? All right, then. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>